0: I came to all these conclusions and I'm working on it because I'm on a journey. I am one wildly flawed human and I'm working really hard every day to try to find the path. And I think what is amazing about your audience, because I've gotten to meet a lot of them, I think journeyers and seekers recognize other journeyers and seekers. And the three of you, I just want you to know, I listen. I'm a wild fan of what you're doing because I feel like you're all journeying and seeking.
1: everyone you are tuned into the color of money podcast this is your host julia lachey and i am here of course with my co-host the original crew we've got the treacherous trio we've got uh daniel dixon with us and emrick peace with us and uh today's guest is going to be jason abrams hey gang Hey, wait, Now I wasn't, I was introducing you. You don't know how excited I am about this podcast, Julia. You'll
0: have to excuse me. (laughs) Let
1: me finish. (laughs) I have a, I have a bio, but I'm not going to read it. If you don't know Jason Abrams, maybe you saw him on HGTV. What was your show called, Jason, since you want to participate in the intro? At Scoring the Deal. But here's the only person that will have seen it is my mother.
0: So I promise your audience has not seen it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He was on HGTV, had a show called Scoring the Deal. It was with athletes and things like that. Maybe you've seen him on stage at Keller Williams Family Reunion and Mega Camp. Maybe you've seen him in the coaching and training space he does on a coaching and training company. He is actually the head of industry for the largest real estate company in the world, Keller Williams Realty. And uh, he's been a MAPS coach. He's also an O.P., by now, you should know what that means because Daniel Zanopi and Emmerich Sinope an and we've interviewed a lot of OPs, franchise owners. And what else, Jason? That sums it up. I mean, other than that, head of learning at KW, but it's enough already with all that. Well, here's the thing you also are the podcast host of Keller Williams' newest podcast, Millionaire Real Estate Agent. And in yes. fact, that's our topic today. We are going to talk to you about how to help our listeners become millionaire real estate agents. So welcome.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm a, by the way, this is one of those like long time listener, first time caller. I'm a big fan of what you all are doing.
1: (laughs) Thanks for being here.
2: Jason, I think there's a lot of, I feel like misconceptions with agents in building wealth and selling a bunch of real estate and being a millionaire real estate and getting your GCI there versus investing and whatnot. When we think about a millionaire real estate agent, what is, what is the, how does somebody get there? What do they need to do? What do they need to practice? How do they, I mean, earning a million, investing in I mean, these, these are different things that we'll progress to, but I think early, earning a million is the first piece on, on how we actually get there.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that when you look at the book on, on the cover of it, it says it's not about the money. And so the first thing that I would remind everybody, and, and you all know this instinctively, but for our audience, it isn't about the money. Being a millionaire real estate agent never was. The, the idea of life is to maximize your potential. That's what Gary Keller told me. He's the one that wrote the book, The Millionaire Real Estate Agent. He says, we wake up every day and try to maximize our potential. And as soon as you get to that point, you then are forced to look up and say, okay, well, how do I do that? And Extensively, what you're asking then is, what's the model such that I maximize my potential? And Daniel, now we're into it. Because now you look up and say, okay, well, I'm not one-dimensional, so it isn't just about running a business that maximizes my potential. I'm, I'm going to have my key relationships. I'm going to have my spirituality. I'm going to have my mental health. I'm going to have my physical health. I delineate between the two of those things. I'm going to have my job. Like What am I going to wake up and do every day? I'm going to have my wealth. I'm going to have my salary, which isn't my wealth. So now I got all these circles. And this is the concept that he and Jay Papazan, his authoring partner, talk about in the book, The One Thing which is I have these circles of life. The giant circle around all of them is happiness. And I'm gonna land this plane, Daniel, I promise. But so I believe everyone wakes up, and if you wake up and say, okay, today I'm gonna make as much money as I can, you better know why you're doing it. Or you'll wake up and say that long enough to feel completely burnt out, because wealth doesn't solve burnout. All money does is give you more options. We're all going to drive a car. If you have enough money, you get to choose from a bunch of different cars. We're all going to live in a, in a house. If you have a lot of money, you choose from any house you want. We're all, we're all going to go on a handful of vacations every year. All money does is allow you to decide where you're going to go and what the experience is going to be when you're going to get there. But if you fail to think about all the other pieces, then you just end up with options that feel empty. And so the path to fulfillment and the path to happiness is the path to your personal potential. And the only way to do it is this. Now I'm going to break it down. It's number one, you're going to have to think big in all of those parts, which means I don't set an annual goal for my spirituality. I set a lifetime goal and then check in with myself annually. I don't set a one-year goal for how much money I'm going to make. I set a five or a 10-year goal, and I make sure I'm hitting all the right activities each day and each year. Once I'm thinking that way, now I'm going to need models. And this is something that everyone on this podcast is so fond of. I'm I'm going to need models for my life and my business. That's what MREA is.
2: Well, I see a lot of agents that, that will business plan. They'll set the goal. They'll set the intention. They'll do the 135. How do you check in? How do you continue to check in and make the pivots? Because it's one thing this time of year to say, I'm going to go make X amount of dollars next year. But then what? When are you looking at your 135? I believe you're the one that has it laminated and you're taking it everywhere with you because Gary I, will call you on it, right?
0: Oh my gosh, everyone in this building has to carry it around. And if he catches you without it, good luck with that. But he, but here's what I tell you: the vast majority of people that set annual goals abandon those goals within 17 days of the new year. Wow. The other half of the group abandoned them before March. Anyone ever join a gym in January? Like you sure. you know this is true. So why does that happen? It happens because the goal that they're setting probably overestimates the short term and underestimates the long term. And at Keller Williams I don't really care if you have a good year. Like, I want you to. I care if you have a good career. I don't care if you have a happy relationship. I want you to have happy relationships. I don't care if you have a idea for this week about your spirituality. I need you to tie it to something bigger. So here's what I always say. If it's true that you can be anywhere you want to be within five years, maybe it's 10 years, pick something really big. Now we got to break it down into what we're going to do each year to get there. And then the easiest way to stay on track with the Daniel, because you're going to have to line up your actions with your thinking, is simply to use a calendar and a 411. And I know everyone was rolling their eyes. They're like, no, give us the new content. Tell us something other than time management. Tell us something other than tracking our activities. Tell us something other than thinking big. And I got to tell you, if that's what you're looking for, then you might be an intellectual tourist meaning you might be waking up every day, have every new book on every new idea and your life might be the exact same. And you want to wake up and think it has something to do with anything other than what the real problem is, which is there's a difference between tourism and advancement. Intellectual tourism is the quest for ideas. Intellectual advancement is the actions it takes to move those ideas forward. And so I like the person who didn't read any new books this year, but has a plan at least that they're going to put into place.
2: Yeah. Well, if we think about the the millionaire real estate agent to your point is not about the money, it's about the systems, the models, the habits, a lot of those things to be able to achieve this level of success that then allows you to do the other things. But how do you vulnerable moment for me? All I I've been, I've been chasing and growing and every every year is a little bit more than last year and that, that emptiness is a real thing when you start having struggle and adversity, and that's, the, that's essentially all we've seen the last twelve months. So, going to your question or going to your statement about happiness, how do you find that happiness? What is more doesn't necessarily equal happy. I'm, I'm oh. living proof of it. <laughs> but <laughs> how do you how do you find the happiness? How do you, how, what are the checkpoints to be able to
0: achieve that? Uh, I'm going to give you two answers. And as soon as it gets long-winded, if you get bored, switch topics. But we studied happiness at a deep level to be able to talk about it. And what we discovered was that happiness fit into three buckets. The myth understanding about happiness was that it was a two-dimensional thing. It turns out happiness is multidimensional, And bucket number one of three is conditional happiness. I'll be happy when... And it shows up with, I'll be happy when I get a new car. I'll be happy when I get the right relationship. I'll be happy when I get out of the wrong relationship. I'll be happy when I make a million dollars. I'll be happy when I have a million dollars. And here's what we know. It is 100% real. You will absolutely feel happy when that condition is met. The challenge with it is that it's very fleeting. Meaning, if you've ever had a new car, you know this. And if you've had seven new cars, you know that the amount of time you're happy with the new one gets shorter each time you do it. So here's the great thing about bucket number one. You're in complete control of it, which is awesome. Here's the downside of bucket number one. It's fleeting and there's nothing you can do to change that. Then you have bucket number two, which is a happy disposition. I choose to be happy. Happiness is a choice. It's a gift that you give yourself. It has nothing to do with any of the things going on around you. As a matter of fact, those of you that think that you're in control of your happiness, I just want to remind you how wildly insignificant you are from a universal standpoint. You are this little thing that's spinning around on this giant rock that's hurling through the universe with 8 billion other people on it. And the universe is so big that there are more galaxies than there are grains of sand on the earth. So if you think that you matter globally or universally, I'm here to tell you, you've overestimated it. You are not in control of anything. Heck, y'all aren't even in control of your own bodily functions most of the time, but you want to pretend that you can control everything else? You can't. And so you're going to have things that happen to you that you're unhappy about, I'm not happy when I lose a family member. I'm not happy when someone chooses to be out of a relationship with me that I wish would stay in. I'm not happy that I haven't hit my financial goals. I'm not happy when I get a speeding ticket. But I still choose to be happy, although I might not be happy about the thing that happened. That's a choice and that's a gift. And the minute that you forget that you have the right to make that choice, that gift every day, is when you end up feeling less happy. And so- You need a trigger to remind you that if life is all about choosing, the mission of life is to get better at making choices. Choose happy. The third bucket, this is, I look back on my life and I'm happy with what happened. We saw this in the book, The Five Regrets of the Dying. The number one regret of people that were dying. By the way, this book is written by a hospice nurse who helps like 7,000 people walk through this final doorway, Daniel. And, and, And what she says is, The number one regret of the dying is that they didn't live their own life, that they either made decisions to please other people. They knew they should get out of a relationship, but they stayed in out of obligation. They didn't chase the dream job. They didn't chase the things that they wanted. And then they get to the end and they look up and say, I don't have the time to do it. So the key to bucket number three is doing the things you want to do in real life, not just in your head so that you don't look up and say, I wish I had. You want to say, I'm glad I did, not I wish I had. So now we have this idea of happiness. The next piece that comes into happiness when we're talking about living a bigger life is coming to the realization that the only shift that can happen is when you change the way you think and then change the way that you behave. And it has to happen in this order. Because like I woke up this morning, Julia, you know this to be true because you see it all. I woke up this morning, Daniel, there was no scenario I wasn't going to have chocolate chip pancakes, which is the only acceptable pancake. It was the only thing I was thinking about from Jump Street. Then I made them. Then I ate them. So the action came well after the thinking. Yeah. And so until you change the way that you think, you don't change the way that you behave. And until you change the way that you behave, you never change the outcome that you get. So, I love talking we, to
2: Jason. He he has so much depth in the way that he explains things. And I, I love it. I love so it. Jason. Much,
1: uh, what's it called? Animation? Like a, <laughs> uh, a... <laughs> I definitely
3: I thought, clear up about it because I thought he worked for Disney. <laughs> it was so much animation.
1: <laughs> I was just about to say, Jason, we have a bad habit on this podcast of, of talking over Uncle, we call him Uncle E. Uh, and and we Daniel and I have a bad habit of talking over E. I've seen Several times, Emmerk form his lips. Emmerk, did you have something you wanted to say?
3: Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Julia, you told yes, me to sir. go, and I, I went. Uh, I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he's gonna go if you tell him to go. That's all you have to do is give Daniel the green light, and don't even worry about it. He's gonna put his foot on the gas pedal. You know, you, you said a couple things, right? And we talked. We having this conversation about money and the million and um, the millionaire, right? When you're not in that position, I believe that your prom, your primary thought is that whole idea of conditional happiness because you start it comes that be do have right you know, you know it's like if I had what you had I could do what you do and I could be the person who you are, right? I, That's the, I when you do that, that all the time. Emerson. Yeah, yeah, because 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 when you don't have it, you always talk about well, if I had what you had, I could do what you do. And then I could be who you are. And it really is be, do, have, not have, do, be. And so when people come from that perspective, it's kind of hard to tell them, you know, hey, change the way you think, change the way you act, change the way you look at things. But that's easy for you to say because you already have it and they don't understand that
0: process. Well, and here's how that goes. The question is, do you think I have it because I have it? Or do you think I had it because I was willing to do the stuff? And the greatest example of this that I've seen, there was a, there's a brilliant man. His name is Adewale Ogunlie. And his family came over from Nigeria. And he lived in a house with three or four other families on Staten Island. And he never sees a football. He never plays. Gets a regular size dude. Gets into high school, shoots up like a beanstalk, gets big and strong junior year, plays football his senior year for the first time, ends up playing college ball at Illinois, then ends up going to the Chicago Bears, where he becomes Drew Rosenhaus's first client. Then he plays at the Dolphins, and then he plays for Houston. And now he's the head of sports and entertainment for UBS Financial Services. And here's what he taught me. He said, man, Jay, people come up to me all the time and say, I'd do anything to have what you have. And in his mind, he's looking and he's thinking, no, you wouldn't. Let me tell you what I did. And they don't see the 3 a.m. mornings. They don't see living with three other families to save the money to have a throwing coach. They don't see the time in the gym. They don't see him trying to get the calories down because of the way he has to eat. You don't see any of it. So you discount it. The truth is. And, and, and what's so crazy about this truth, I'll prove it to all of you that it's real. Those of you that think that you'll be happy when, I want you to consider this. I want you to think back to the last time that you were ravenously hungry. You just, you were hungry. My guess, for most of you listening, it wasn't because you had went three days without eating. You had went some period of time, probably very short compared to the rest of the world, and you were hungry. And then you sat down and you ate. And you felt fulfilled. Now, how long was it until you were hungry again? Until you were back at the kitchen eating Oreos out of the box? Ooh. It didn't take very long, we're did just it?
1: Telling our secrets of what happens here in the kitchen.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm telling. They that's how you know it's real, because the fulfillment that you got from not feeling hungry hungry anymore ended two to three hours later, even though you could go seven days without eating. And Emmerich, that's the loop that people find themselves in, especially on the wealth journey, because people look up and on level number one, you're fighting for security. I can pay my Tahoe payments. I can pay my bills. I can live in my house. I'm secure. I'm good. The next level that people think they want to be at is the most dangerous level of all. It's called comfort. And comfort level you hit, which is I, I, I like the house I live in. I like I can pretty much drive what I want to drive. I'm not driving a Bugatti, but I can drive pretty much anything else. I can live where I want to live. I, I don't have to look at the cost when I go out to eat anymore. I can order anything on the menu, and I know and it's not going to bounce. I feel good about it. I don't have to ask what the market price is. And when I go on vacation, I can pretty much travel the way that I want. I'm comfortable. Hitting bucket number two is what keeps the supermajority of people from ever hitting bucket number three, which is wealth. And when you look around the world, there's very few wealthy people. We did a study on this, Emmerich. There's 22.5 million, what I would call rich people in the world. And I define rich as I have at least a million dollars in cash to invest right now, excluding the equity in my home or any valuable collectibles. So you can't count your Beanie Baby collection. When you do the math like that, there's only 22 and a half million people. Julia, there's 8 billion people on this planet. And when you dig in even further, it gets crazy because a third of the 22 and a half million, they live in the continental United States. The other two thirds, they're spread out over the rest of the globe. So if you've managed to be born or find your way into the United States, you have a better chance of being wealthy than anywhere else. Right. And-, and uh- it, it, no, it's, it's
3: interesting, and I have this saying, and I say this: I don't look like what I've been through. I don't look like what I've been through, hmm. like so well I've been through because you know it, it. A lot of times, and that's said that way. People, oh, if I could, do no, no, you don't. You, you do. You really want this? Do you really want the the the, the sixteen and seventeen hour shifts that were worked before that you just don't see? So that, that's a great point. The other thing. And I'm going to say this because I do a session on this. It's called bills, benefits, or legacy. And I, I titled that course that way um, because it, it came from uh, it came from a a, a book. And I'm, I'm, I'm brain locked right now. And the question is, when you did, when you leave this earth, are you leaving bills, benefits, or legacy? And and I and I and I look at that as life. When you're in your early twenties maybe or late to 20s maybe your 30s you're working on getting rid of bills when you're over 30 30 to 40 30 to 45 maybe you're looking at how am i establishing the benefits once you get to 50 you're really looking at what's my legacy because at that point you understand that none of you guys are 50 so you don't understand this once you get past 50 right? Mortality becomes a real conversation for you because you understand that you have more years behind you than you do in front of you. And so in that place of establishing legacy, you, you're looking to hold that spot. So when we start talking about being a millionaire and this this, this money journey, the things that you should, and correct me if i this is what you're saying, the things that you're willing to do early on will dictate what you can do later. So the way that you look to pay your bills is gonna dictate what legacy you ultimately leave because you gotta pay your dues first in order to reap the benefits.
0: Yeah, 100%. The, the book I think that you're quoting is called Build Your Legacy. And if you, if you haven't read it, it's a fantastic book and it walks through this way of thinking and it lays out th- those things that you just did. Gary Keller always says this. He says that everybody in life gets a certain amount of money whatever that money is, and it'll come to you by means of your value. Said differently, we call it value squared. The value you provide is in direct relation with the value that you receive. And so when you look up and you're providing an inordinate amount of value for people, you're going to be on the top end. You're going to make more money. Now, here's the key. Once you make, everyone gets to make the same dollar. Most people look up and say, this is awesome. I got 99 cents, I got 100 cents in my pocket, this is the greatest thing. 70 or 80 cents, I get to go buy stuff with. 10 or 20 cents that's left, I get to invest. The investor, the full-time investor, which by the way, every one of you that wants to be rich should start thinking of yourself as a full-time investor. The full-time investor wakes up and says, cool, I got 10 or 20 cents to spend on my life and 80 cents to invest, now here we go. And if you start thinking that way in your teens, you're, it's almost a mathematical certainty that you get where you want to go. But I don't want to discount starting to think about it later in life. Cause I, you know, when I teach wealth, one of the number one things people say is I'm too old. I just want you all to know, I just had a 76 year old person go through a course that we teach on wealth and they went through it two years ago. They laid out a 15 year wealth plan to be worth $7 million and they called me the other day and they said that they're a year ahead. And I, I I was really inspired by that because here's somebody that looks up and says, look, I don't know when it's going to end. I do know I'm going to live every day like it isn't over. That matters.
1: There was uh, um, two things you said, Jason. Yes. Uh, on the last podcast, we had Sophia Chacon, uh, an OP in, in California. And California, she is- yeah. That lady is just grateful for life. So she talked a lot about, you know, she had a, she had a near-death experience and she talked about, uh, you know, heart worrying attack. about dying. Yes, she had a heart attack. Yeah, an LED heart attack. And yeah. she uh, talked about continuing to worry about dying because she still um, has heart issues. But then she said, uh, everybody's going to die. So I stopped worrying about it, you know, and just decided that, that today I'm going to live. You know, as full as as full as possible. So that was that was great. If you haven't tuned into her episode, do that. But you also said something else. Um, you talked about a class that you teach about wealth, and I'm glad you brought it up. Um, we had Gabby on in a previous episode talk about eight weeks to wealth. And so also, which I what I didn't say in your introduction is that you are one of the instructors for that eight weeks to wealth course, which we promote heavily. Um, that people should take. Can you briefly tell us uh, what that is and and what what y'all talk about and why any listener would want to participate in that?
0: Sure, sure but, I, but I don't want to turn it into a sales pitch. So here's what I'll tell you. I'm gonna well, I'll, I'll give gonna, you.
1: A, that's gonna be hard for you. Chase.
0: Well, I'll, I'll give you a 20 second of what the course is, but then I'll give you the one concept that I wish you'd all take away. That way, everyone okay. can say they learned something. The course is eight weeks breaking it down from I have no wealth plan to I have a wealth plan to make $50 million over 30 years. And we put in the pieces along the way. And there's two types of you out there. There's the one group that's thinking 50 million, I'm good with five. And there's the other group that's thinking, I I wanna double that. Here's the thing. We pick big numbers so that we set big goals, so that we take big actions. But here's what I'll tell you, that a 30-year wealth plan of buying one or two homes a year as investments ends with you having $50 million. And we prove that math within the first 15 minutes of the course. So here's what I want everyone to learn and remember. We, most of us are realtors. We sell houses to make dreams come true for people and make cash come true for us. That's how we get paid. We then take that cash and we buy one thing with it. Stuff that goes up in value and throws off positive cash flow. That's what we buy. If all you did was remember that from this podcast, you're winning. And if that's all you did in life, you'd win.
2: The best exercise I think Brett's ever had me do was build that 30-year plan. And it took me a long time and you had to do the calculations and all of the things, but you realize like, Man, the small things that you do today that continue to compound over time, if you can stay on that right track, is, is absolutely incredible. And I think one of the biggest mistakes I've made over the years as we've made that money is I bought things and they went up in value. But the game I should have been playing was cash flow. I should have been playing the cash flow game and not the flipping, not the have a bunch of cash game. And so all the listeners like the cash flow is, in my opinion, one of the one of the most important pieces to building wealth
0: not how much money you have or how much money you make. No, yeah, it goes up in value and it throws off cash flow. Visiting yeah. your money is one of the biggest mistakes people make and they visit it by way of selling or trying to hoard cash.
3: The the question I was about to say, Daniel, is that like I come from a place of of, of where there was no money. So, well, I shouldn't say no money. I should say little money.
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: And so in that place of little money, you only think about how much money can I accumulate so that I never get back into that situation of not <laughs> having money. Yeah. And the cash flow is not the big conversation because the cash flow is only, hypothetically speaking, a thousand dollars a month. Well, I don't want a thousand dollars a month. I want twenty thousand dollars at a time, which is really hyperbolic discounting. It's a, a different concept that we have to think about and we have to work into that. What you're talking about is don't hyperbolic discount the possibilities.
1: <laughs> Damn you said that's a big word. Yeah, okay. Big I word. know what a hyperbole is. What is a hyper <laughs> hyperbolic <laughs> discount?
3: <laughs> I'm not okay, about to hyper- look
1: it up. Just tell me.
3: Okay. Hyperbolic discounting is where you value something today. The best way I can say it, you value something, you value the immediate gratification of today over the long-term gratification of next year. That's the best way to put it.
0: Yeah. I think that I, that's so right. And I think people fail to give enough credence to the actions they take today and the impact that it'll have 10 years from now. I, I was I just finished a manuscript, actually. I, I haven't done anything with it yet, but I just wrote it. And it came out of a simple conversation that my, my kid was having with his buddies. And they were playing basketball in our driveway. And they got to the point, like all kids do, where they're interacting the last 30 seconds of an NBA championship. And one of them said, I, I'm going to make this. I bet my life I make this. And the other kid said, OK, let's do it. And they started playing. And for some reason, this idea of bet my life, I wasn't able to let that go. And what dawned on me and what what I wrote about was that when we're kids, we say that all the time because it has so little meaning. But as we get older, we realize how valuable life is. Said differently, life is wasted on the young. But the truth is, no one realizes that you're betting your life every day with the actions you're either taking or you're not taking. And so here's what I'd love for your listeners to do. Throughout the rest of the day, whenever you're listening to this, you're going to be making a bunch of choices on how you spend your time. And I want you to just ask a question. Is what the choice you're making what you'd bet your life on? Because you're betting your financial life. For some of you, you're betting your health. You're betting your relationships. You're betting your spirituality. The things that you want are in direct relation to the time that you spend on them. Friends, you are betting your life every day, multiple times a day. And Daniel, as I've started to think about that more and more, it's a mantra that I can't seem to get, I can't seem to shake it.
2: Yeah. I love that. Did did he make the shot? Though that's kind of my question.
0: I, I don't know. I did ran he off actually think, win the title or no? I, I ran off to go and write down the notes, and then I wrote the book for it. I haven't done anything with <laughs> the even, book. And even it. if he
1: would have answered that, it would have ruined the story. So we don't. We <laughs> don't
0: <laughs> this thing has been sitting in the top drawer right. of my nightstand now for a little over a year. I don't. I don't know if anyone will ever see it, but the concept I think is good.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's
0: good stuff.
2: Now, Jason, what do you what do you see as a as what do you see with all the people that you're interviewing on the podcast? You've been around this ecosystem forever. What are like the one or two things that you consistently see these people doing to be able to get to that income level? Because wealth can't happen until we get the money first. And so we've got to make the money to then be able to go do the good that we can do with the money. But what are one or two things that you consistently see these millionaire real estate agents or these teams or these solos doing that that help them get out of that rat race and create that income?
0: They all work really hard. I mean, across the board, like this idea, work, you know, work smarter, not harder. Like, I love all those pithy statements. Like, I think it's great. I must be interviewing all the wrong people because they are all working their asses off. All of them. And and that doesn't mean they're sacrificing their lives. It does mean they are wildly focused about the actions they're taking and they're waking up every day and taking them. Well, you
3: know what, Jason, and that comes back to this conversation, I'll do the things today that other people aren't willing to do so I can do the things tomorrow that other people can't do. That's a deep conversation right there.
0: Yeah, 100%. So that's number one. Number two, every one of them can articulate how they make money. They all say to me, "This if I'm an investor, this is how I take $1 and turn it into 4 And they can explain it fast. The ones that are running real estate teams can say, this is our number one source of lead generation that closes. This is how we convert it. This is what our... I mean, they they know their businesses. There's no guessing. They're not hoping to figure it out. They're not using the Ouija board method of real estate. If it feels good, I go that way. Like, they are running models. And the third thing that I see is they're all... The wrong way to say it would be that they're risk takers. The right way to say it is that they're not safe harbors. They're not waking up every day trying to feel safe. They're not looking to feel unsafe. They don't walk around taking irrational risk, but they also don't ever wake up thinking about protecting what they have. They all wake up thinking about what else they can have. And that's been really instructional for me.
1: I was going to say that's really big, Jason. We've had a lot of conversations about mindset, and I know you started off this conversation about mindset. But uh, I, the more, no matter which episode you tune into, somebody is going to attribute their success to starting with the mindset of what that looks like. So I, I think that's very consistent in every conversation, yours and ours. It's
0: well, the, here's the shame of it. The shame of it is because of the number of podcasts that are out there and and the social media, YouTube videos that you can watch and the number of motivational speakers and the fact that every real estate agent owns a coaching company now, like just because of all of those things, everybody starts to think less about mindset because you become somewhat dull to it. It's like, oh, everyone talks about that. Oh, everyone says I got to think different. You know, that's everywhere. There's got to be something. Here's here's the challenge. There, there ain't nothing else. There is nothing else. And, and I, the frustration that you feel in my voice is the number of comments that I get from the podcast where people say, yeah, but how did they really do it? What do they really mean when they say they started thinking different? I got an email the other day. And by the way, I love every one of our listeners, but this one enraged me to the extent where I actually tracked this person down and then paid for them to fly to Keller Williams and then spent a half a day with them. And it was so innocuous. Here's what the person said. Person said, I love listening to the podcast. I'm totally going to get my mindset in order. I've just booked a 14 day trip to a meditation retreat and I'm going to really figure it out. And I was so aggravated by this. And, and I, I called this person. I brought him in and I sat him down and they said, well, I thought you'd like, I'm really excited about it. And I said, but you missed all of it. And they said, well, what do you mean? And I said, mindset, the way that you think the voice in your head is right wherever you are. When you close your eyes and yell the word hello in your mind, yell hello in your mind right now, it's just you in there. And the minute that you yell hello and realize that it's just you right here, right now, thinking your thoughts in that moment, you are in the center of mental health. You're not thinking about what came before it. You're not thinking about what's coming after it. You're just recognizing that it's just you in there right now. And so if you want to tell me about the place you booked and that you're going to travel 3,000 miles to go find the voice in your head, then you've missed the entire conversation. It's with you right now. There ain't no courses you need to take. There's no therapy that you need to have. You don't have to relive and unpack past experiences. You just have to yell hello in your mind right now and realize that's the only thing that's real. Because here's the truth. Everything that you're remembering, it didn't really happen that way. I hate to say that, but it just didn't. It's been colored and changed and your brain, the part of your brain responsible for memory has 40 billion neurons running around in it, constantly rewriting the way that it happened. You know how you know this is true? Because they've done experiments where someone will run in and say something and then leave and then they'll ask everyone to write down what they just saw. They don't even get the gender right of the person that was standing there, what they were wearing, were they wearing a hat, were they not wearing a hat, did they have a beard, did they not have a beard. Everyone remembers it different. So the past and real. The future hasn't been written yet because the future is based on the actions you take, which is based on the thoughts that you have, which happen in the only thing that matters, the present moment. So right now I'm having a thought.
2: Real quick, I'm gonna challenge that a little bit though because Let's do it. it's, it's it's one thing, I, I totally agree with that and, and, and you're you're in the moment, but when the moment that you're in is dark and the moment that you're in is pessimistic and the moment that you're in and the lens that you're looking through is clouded, how do you get past that? Because it's, it's easy to say, get your mindset right. It's easy to say, I just ate, I just ate Top Ramen last night. I don't have the bill I, with the beginning of the month and I don't have money to pay my bills. Like, how do I then go, just get your mindset right and all things are going to be better?
0: I can tell you there's there's two proven ways to do it. Hang on, I'll come to you in one second. I'm gonna do, I want to answer it directly because they did a ton of studies on this. There's two ways to, and you're not going to like either of them. Everyone in TV land, you're going to hate them both and you're going to discount them both. And that's okay But these work because math, way number one. The first way that you change the way that you think in the moment is you change something that has to do with your body. And they call this the life force. And the life force is made up of three things. I want you to think of it like a pyramid. The bottom of the pyramid is body, which is made up of exercise, diet, and sleep. It doesn't matter which one of those things you change. And I'm not even saying you have to start eating healthy. You just have to make a change that your body doesn't expect in any one or all three of those things. The next one, Daniel, and this is the key. The next one is people. You are hardwired to need to be with people. Whether you think you're a people person or not, spoiler alert, you are, because nature. And so here's the way you change it. You go have coffee with 15 or 20 people next week. And you're going to say, wait a minute, that's totally out of character for me. Exactly. Now you might be zooted out of your mind on caffeine after 15 cups of coffee, but I'm going to tell you this, you go meet with 15 people for 15 minutes. And I don't care if they are your brother. I don't care if they are strangers. I don't care how you meet them. You're going to hear 15 different reasons to laugh, 15 different reasons to cry and 15 different stories. And you know what? You will think a hell of a lot better about yours in that moment. Because when we're in a bad mindset, it's because whatever's happening to us in that moment feels more substantial than the things that aren't. (laughs) And you don't realize what's not happening to you until you start talking to others. And the minute you get that, now you're at the top of the pyramid and you're back. And here's the thing. If you're a real estate agent, here's the double whammy on that. You go have coffee with 25, 15, 30, 40, 50 people next week you're going to get all that changed to your life force. You know what else is going to happen? You're going to sell some real estate. There'd be no way you could go meet with 15 or 20 people and not get a real estate referral. You do that for one week, you're going to change your life force that week. You do that every week with 52 weeks, you are now ordained rookie of the year in any market center you're in. And if you do that for a career about people, (laughs) there's no end to where you go.
1: Emrick, did you have something to say? Because I'm about to wrap this thing up.
0: I,
3: I did I did. And and Daniel, I get where you were going with that. Here's the here's the thing. Like and Jason, when you said that person was going on that retreat, they're going on that retreat to get their mindset right. So when they come back, how do they get their mind right to the same place it was eleven days before
0: when they were <laughs> on the <that> island? <laughs> you can't you can't get that back. So that's why Oh, oh man, that's why I walk around all day long yelling hello in my brain. Every time I realize, and it happens now, I'm purposeful about it. Anytime I realize that my mind is just talking, or if I don't hear anything happening up there, I yell hello just to remind myself that it's just me here right now with me. It's the biggest tool I got in my toolbox. So-
3: and I was about to say, like, on I I do take per, I do take personal retreats. I'm I'm long overdue. When I go on that personal personal retreat, I go by myself and I spend that time writing what my what actions am I going to take when I get back? Not trying to get my mindset right. I'm writing the actions. What are you going to do moving forward? And I write those actions, and those are that's my those are my marching orders for that length of time. So it's not a place where I spent somewhere and I got my mind together and mysteriously, I'm just going to show up and take all of these actions. I never said what actions I was going to take when I was in that space of getting my mind right. So if you don't write it down, you just took a mindless trip.
0: <laughs> yeah. and I, You know, the funny thing about the example that you used, Daniel, I had ramen noodles coincidentally last night. There's a new <laughs> spicy flavor out. It's so funny because I remember in my life when I only could afford ramen noodles and I couldn't wait to stop eating right. them. Yeah. They're still as delicious today as they were then, and it's no, yeah, They're high in
1: sodium, but every no. once in a while, I indulge yeah. too. Yeah. But no, these listen, these, are guys, is, these are different. These are different news. Good.
0: Wait, Julie, we got to say one more thing because anyone listening could mistake what we're saying here and think that we all think that we have it all together. And I just want to remind everybody.
1: Oh no, they've been listening. Just, they know. They know I ain't got it all together, well, Jason. But I want to make sure that
0: I don't leave anyone <laughs> that impression. Here's the deal. I came to all these conclusions and I'm working on it because I'm on a journey. I am one wildly flawed human and I'm working really hard every day to try to find the path. And I think what is amazing about your audience, because I've gotten to meet a lot of them, I think journeyers and seekers recognize other journeyers and seekers. And the three of you, I just want you to know, because I, I, I listen, I, I'm a wild fan of what you're doing because I feel like you're all journeying and seeking. And I feel like you're in different places in your journeys and that's what makes this podcast so special because of your ages and because of your businesses and because of the way that you all operate. And my only wish for your audience is that everyone would stop thinking that understanding is a destination and be okay with the fact that this is the journey. When Gary says, get comfortable with the process, what he's really saying is, if you can't find any joy during the journey, and the majority of life is simply a trip, you're gonna be really unhappy even at the destination.
1: That's good stuff. Thank you. You know what, Jason, you have been a wealth of information, pun intended. Uh and I and I like how you teed that up about uh listening and, and all the things. You know what? We're glad you're on here and on this uh podcast. And we can't wait to be on yours when you're gonna have us on the millionaire real estate agent yeah. to talk about the color of money. We can't wait for our turn on your podcast. <laughs> we
0: love to. Have, we've never had more than one guest. So that we're gonna break all kinds of mores and rules and we're gonna do it.
1: It'll be fun. But no, really, thank you for joining us. You've been, you really have been a wealth of information. Uh, you're entertaining to listen to, which is why you're the head of learning because you make learning fun. And so and- thanks for sharing your information uh, with us. Last thing, we want to we wanna, we wanna leave the audience with one thing. You know, we got to do our one thing question. What's the one thing somebody listening can shut off this podcast and go do right now?
0: I think if I would, you should stop everything, which I know is like, well, wait a minute. You asked for one thing to do, not everything to stop. The one thing I would do is stop everything. And I would ask a very, very simple question. Who am I? And in the end, who do I want everyone to remember that I was? And try to make those things congruent.
1: That's awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Emmerich. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in for yet another wonderful episode of the Color of Money podcast. We will check you later. Thanks, gang. Follow the Color of Money podcast today and get notified when new episodes are released weekly. Be part of this transformative
2: listening experience. This podcast is for general informational
0: purposes only. The views, thoughts, and opinions of the guest represent those of the guest and not KWRI and its affiliates and should not be construed as financial, economic, legal, tax, or other advice. This podcast is provided without any warranty or guarantee of its accuracy, completeness, timeliness, or results from using the information.